Welcome to Beyond the Circus. This is Dale Hummel, along with co-star Ryan Rash. Hello, hello, hello. Ryan, it's been a while. Yeah, I don't believe in Beyond the Circus anymore. I don't believe in these things anymore, because as much as I talk to these people, they don't listen. They go out and vote just the way they want to anyway. So, yeah, I, I don't believe in this anymore. Now, now, give our listeners more credit than that. I, I, I am going. To well, say, if it is our listeners that aren't voting like ignorant fucktards, excuse me, then they need to go educate their friends. <laughs> that, that, that we need more go. of. We do need more education of the friends, and and I'm sure we Just have saying. some maybe liberal listeners. They they occasionally speak up. I do not know uh, why welcome. they would come maybe, on maybe here. Maybe we can convert them. But yeah, no. well, look at look at Clifton. I think he was he was. He was leaning maybe a little that way, but we've we've kind of got him over on the conservative side now. I think our producer. I am with you. Like I am to the point after midterms and after last night, after all the events of last week, I, I've decided that like I'm going to go to the polls in some metropolitan area in a state that matters, like Pennsylvania. And if they tell me if I talk to them for like five seconds and I think they're voting to me, I'm going to shoot them in the kneecap. <laughs> That's just, <laughs> you've come I, around. Yeah. You have, come I have literally, I'm just, I'm just done. Yeah. I, I have to tell you like, and, and I had a sale last night, so I had to record the speech. Thank even though it was God the background, for you. And then watch it later. Well, no, I, I watched it very late last night and I'm going to tell you that watching that speech upsets me about as much as as china it's it's it, it just it's very painful for me what i and again i know that everybody that listens to this is not as like entrenched in the political climate as probably what you and i are but i, I just want to like recap this for everybody like when he went into the state of the union last night and he knew this 62% of Democrats said that they would be angry or disappointed if he was the Democratic nominee for 2024. That's just of Democrats. Uh, in a different poll, 7% of people polled said they would be enthusiastic if Biden ran again. Uh, Three-fourths of the country thinks we're on the wrong track. Uh, I could go on for an hour on all the polls that came out yesterday, including three different polls that show Trump in a head-to-head matchup with Biden-Trump wins. I can't remember three polls back in 2020 in a head-to-head matchup that Trump won. I'm just going to be real honest. I know there were, but can't remember them. Anyhow. I so he I, knew I agree completely. And you've been watching. You've right. been watching this he, news. You've been following closely. He he knew all of this going into the last night. His speech makers, the people that like, you know, all, all the things knew all of this. And they can say that they don't care about the polls because the midterms did whatever. I, I'm gonna tell you something about the midterms right now. The midterms were not a referendum on Biden's presidency. I I do I there's no way it could be. I think the midterms were a referendum, as I have said before, on the Republicans' poor fucking choices of who they put up there. And they were bad. 
But I, anyhow, I agree. Now, what about I, I am not 100 percent sure. And I want to state an example here that I, I'm going to assume everybody around Biden was aware of those polls. Yes. And you're going to assume that they that he was. Yes. But he wasn't even aware of this uh, of, of let's go, Brandon. Remember when that was everywhere and he he supported it or, or oh, yeah. I don't remember he, what he he, he reared back let's go Brandon and giggled and was like yeah what yeah he wasn't aware of it but and maybe so, so if if you can if you can exclude him from something like that it's not hard to exclude him from a poll. and it, it very well could be that you know he says he doesn't want to hear polls or whatever and stuff like that but maybe he did not know but the people around him damn sure did okay. And the people that wrote that speech. Right. Damn. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. All those people around him, all the people that wrote the speech, all the people that prepped him, damn sure knew. And so that is a real, and as everybody said, all the pundits said, this is kind of the speech that kicks off his reelection campaign. But I, and before I get into the speech, so before every State of the Union, they invite one pundit or reporter or whatever you hell you want to call it from all the major news sources to have lunch with the president to talk about the state of the union but it's all off the record like they can report generalizations and they get a few quips from the speech that they can report on but it is literally an off the record lunch so shannon bean from fox was the one that went and so she comes back and she gets on air at fox and the most telling thing that I thought is she she has said, just like the rest of us, that he's running for re-election, all this other stuff. She left that lunch, and she, and she said this was the most telling thing to her, too, that she was not sure if he had made a hard and fast decision on whether he was going to run for re-election again. So that help, she help still thought not. he was... At, sir... We are less than a year away from the first primary election. I do not understand, and I went back and researched it, I do not understand how all of these people that seem to be thinking about it haven't made a decision or haven't announced. I, and I, I, think, mean, it's, I think it's a unique, it, it, it's crazy this year because of, of what's going on. And I obviously Biden has come out and in, in, in his little bubble, he plans to run for president, in my opinion. Now, I'm not saying people haven't tried to talk him out of it, so he's maybe wavering, or they're going to just not let it happen in some manner. And on the Republican side, when you have when you have Trump out there that's declared, are you wanting to raise your hand and, and be the first one to, to butt up against him? No, because he's going to rip you from limb, so. limb. But uh, I get it. I yeah. understand all that you're saying, but like, at some point, especially Biden, is going to have to and soon. Like there, there's no other. You know, well, I he would could say, say that he, I would say that he is he is he's come out with every say. I intend to run. He said that several times, mm, but he has not announced officially, nor has he filed the paperwork. Agreed. And so, I, I and I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not saying he's going to. I just he was like, I'm going to talk to my family during the holidays, and then now it's the State of the Union. Well, there's nothing else that he can bump this decision any further. I mean, unless we have World War Three with China, but I mean, whatever. But so th this this was how he goes into this speech. And then last night, you know, I, I will give him credit for some things. 
first off, I thought the beginning of his speech was very classy, where he congratulated the new speaker, congratulated Hakeem Jeffries, the minority leader. Uh, he mentioned Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, like all that. You know, I- I'll be honest, I-, I, th- I thought that was nice. Goodwill, bipartisanship, yada, yada, yada. And then he started in, and I don't know what they had put. You see, the I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't go there, Ryan. Why? It isn't, it isn't, it isn't. It's just, he's just, it's bullshit. He doesn't mean any of it. It's not sincere. I, I understand what you're saying, that it's good to, to go I through the motions and formally say that, but there is, I don't see it. I don't. And I, and yeah, I, I, that part there, I'm, I'm with you. I was, I was thinking it surprised me he's going through it, but, but that's, that's just speechwriter being smart about it. I, I don't think it's Joe. Want, I don't know. I, I, I don't didn't know. like the one thing. The r- reason I thought it came across sincere is when he was talking about Kevin McCarty, the new speaker or whatever. He said, you know, I don't want to ruin your reputation, but I look forward to working with you. And so, I mean, I thought that was funny and cute. And, and I mean, came across genuine to me. But anyway, at least he said that. I don't remember Trump ever doing that. I don't remember. I, and I'm not dogging Trump, but I don't remember Trump ever acknowledging anything like that and so i i, I think, that, think that was nice. that's the difference and between I, trump having be, tr- trump had more control over what that speech was i don't think joe had any i think it's all speech all the person behind the people behind no, no, it. i don't think no. joe had had zero input zero i agree where, where trump i think had a significant amount so oh yeah go ahead. sorry also they said that they he, he had told somebody in the white house to put out that they started working on the speech in november in November, if I worked on a speech from November to February, it needed to be a lot better than what it was. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say, because I don't know what they had him on. And, and I'm going to say it. They had him on some type of drug because right there at the beginning, he was going so fast and trying to be so energetic and he was so amped up. You couldn't understand anything because all the words were going 900 miles a minute. And when he, when people would get up and applause, he wouldn't like stop and acknowledge it. It it was just all a mess, but I don't remember what it was, but like we weren't even a minute in and he had gone off script or done something, said something wrong and misspoke or whatever, but you know, we go on. Here's the whole thing. The things that bothered me the most is, he spent 69 seconds talking about China, never mentioned the balloon, said that they were competitors, not adversaries, and that when China did whatever, they showed that they're not to be screwed with. I don't remember the exact word. 69 seconds on China after we have had balloon gate for the last week. Uh, 75 seconds on the border which I still think is probably, I think the border crisis is the, is the starting point for so many other of the other crises that this administration has. 75 seconds on that. Uh, I think fentanyl was under a minute, all this other stuff. But then we talked about things that made absolutely zero sense. Like, for instance... He spent a long, not not a long time, because the speech was only 76 minutes from start to finish. But anyway, he spent more time 
talking about how he wanted to get rid of resort fees on hotels that weren't resorts and how he wanted to get rid of plane fees where $50 for a family to sit together because baggage fees were already too much, all this other stuff. What the fuck do resort fees and plane fees have to do and have precedence? What? Why is this even brought up in the State of the Union? I mean, again, I I, I think it's the, just fill, I think it's filler, Ryan. I really do. Just to extend it because, out to, to get to where he's at without having to to bring up what we really want to discuss on the other side. I mean, like seriously. If if and I'm agreeing it's filler, but it's just ridiculous filler. There was another point that he's talked about non non compete clauses, and he said, and this is pretty much a quote that kids couldn't go across town and flip burgers at another joint for more dollars an hour because of non compete clause. That is absolute. Total, complete, made-up bullshit. I mean... <laughs> See, I, I heard that, and I was just... I didn't I didn't put much thought. I thought just confused with what he... I, I thought he misspoke. No. that He he was talking no, about non-compete clauses and all this stuff. No. And, and there, there are probably some things in all franchises about whatever, but there is not... You can work at McDonald's, quit, and then go to Burger King the next day. They, I mean... This man is just like the fact checkers gave him like 900 Pinocchios throughout the speech. This was one of them. But again, what does that have to do with the state of the country when inflation is still at a 40-year high? Uh, gas is still over $1.50 more than when he came into office. The border is an absolute disaster. Like, I could sit here and go on and on. But these are points in his speech that literally make no sense to me. It, it is not an issue. It, it is, I mean, yeah, could, would it be nice if resort fees were gone away with? Sure. It'd save me money every year. But that, that, that's like a millionth into the list of problems that this country is facing. I, I just it is I, not in the big picture, and then, not in the big scheme of the world. And then he stumbled and he fumbled. I mean, as the drugs were off, he stumbled and he fumbled around. He did not know. And, and th- this is when I was like, oh, we need to cut this off. We need to cut this off. He did not know the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine's name. And he brought her up and she's sitting there and you could tell by the look on his face and his words. He didn't know her name. I guess he couldn't read the teleprompter. And what he was like, he's like, so yeah, yeah, yeah. She's here. Um, stand up and let everybody see you. I was like, really? You're going to bring up the Ukraine war, take credit for all this. And you don't even, and like, he didn't have to point her out if he doesn't know her name. You know what I'm saying? Like he didn't. Like my my assumption, maybe maybe it wasn't wasn't in the script, and he went. Off. Maybe it wasn't, and maybe he went off script. But like again, if you don't know the person's name, this was like several months ago when he asked for a dead person to show up at an event. But anyway, I mean, like th- that congresswoman had just died like two weeks earlier, and he's like, "Where?" I think her name was Rhonda. I can't. Where's Rhonda? Well, Rhonda's dead, dude. But anyway, 
if you don't know the person's name, then just move on. And then there were several times when they flashed up to Jill, and she looked very concerned. She's not a real good poker face. Uh, I mean, say what you want about Melania. Like, I think she absolutely hated her, all of those things and all this other stuff. But every State of the Union that they flashed up to Melania, she may not have been beaming from ear to ear, but you couldn't tell that she was concerned or pissed off or whatever. Jill looked visibly worried several times during the speech. I, I, I think it comes down to he's, she's his babysitter and she's the one that's, that's bailing him out and beside him all the time that she knows just how bad it could go. She knows when it's going south and, and she can't hide it. And I, you, you, that observation, Ryan, is dead on. And if, if we were to have cameras on her more often, and especially just one camera watching her for the whole speech, I think, I think it'd be hilarious because she, she's sure nervous about it. Very oh, yeah. nervous. And then I did, and this is completely, it does not matter, but I thought the fact that she kissed Camel Toe's husband on the mouth at the beginning of the stadium, I thought that was just weird. Just weird. I, 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 I wanted to bring that up. I and, just and thought that was. Am odd. I just out of touch with what how we greet people? I, I don't. I, greet I, people you like would that. think no. after COVID and all this other shit that there would be, and it it was not. I mean, I'm not saying there was tongue or anything, but it was kiss. I mean, it, it was like it, it's been yeah. all over Twitter, Twitter, whatever it was, and it was direct on the mouth. It was not like a miss. Yeah, it's just weird. It was very weird. Is there? Is there? Is that? Is that? Is that more normal than we realize? You I don't I think so. I, d- I don't think so. But um, if it was more normal than Very what odd. we realize, why would it be all over Twitter? Um, True. And then again, you know, as this speech went on, he continued to fumble. And so, I, I you know, you were busy with sale, but you, Clifton and I and you were texting or whatever. And so Clifton typed that at the end that he says well at least he's alive there's no doubt that he's alive because there were points in the speech where he like he said that basically the same thing that every freaking democrat says every two years is that republicans want to take away social security and medicare and so the republicans all scream back and whatever and so he he kind of fought back and so clifton was like well you know he didn't like roll over and die when the Republicans scream liar and all this other stuff. And and so uh, while we were texting, Britt Hume, who I I really do believe Britt Hume is probably one of the most nonpartisan, focused, intelligent, experienced. I mean, I think that was, I, I don't know if they were making this up or whatever, but somebody said like his 50th State of the Union that he had covered. I mean, they could have been exaggerating, but Obviously, he's covered more State of the Unions than anybody else. And every time I hear him speak, no matter who it's about, it's just very there's there's no bias in it. And they were the, that was the first person that they turned to after the speech was over. And he said, "If this was the speech to make everybody think that he was together and with it, and you know all these things," he says. I think he felt miserably. He said, because he was awake is not good enough at this point. And because Britt was saying before the speech that even though he has not announced he was going to run, 
He'll be 82 at the time of the election and supposed to serve till 86. He's already the oldest president in presidential history. He said, so for the first time ever, I think that the vice president, whoever he chooses, if he decides to run, is going to be very, very important. Because they're going to look at him, and they've already looked at him throughout this, and said, you know, he's not super (laughs) spunky or whatever. And so uh, he failed on that level to a person like Britt Hume, who is a seasoned political pundit who is very non-biased. And so, again, I thought what Clifton said, yeah, well, he's definitely not, he's awake. Uh, But the slurs, the mumbling, the words that didn't make any sense. And again, there was plenty, he didn't know the Ukraine ambassador's name, all this other stuff. There was a lot of things that went wrong. And then the the content of the speech was just piss poor. It, it just was. I, I think his presentation, now let's, let's take into consideration this started back in November preparing for this. I, I would say his presentation was much better than he's up there ad-libbing on a than he's come out before in the past. Is it where it should be? Absolutely not. But I, I expect it even worse. And and people probably think you're joking about the stimulant or whatever he's on. I don't have no, any I'm question not that, that no. there is no, no there's, there's bigger swings serious. in his in his liveliness, maybe is the best way to put it. And it makes perfect sense as as you talked about when when they it's whether it's cat I don't know what it is caffeine whatever it may be it can be a number I'm not saying it's illegal but yeah there was number thing if you watch that over the course of seventy six minutes you could see him go from go 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 gadget to I mean it there was a visible decline and anybody who watched that with open eyes see that. Like and I, I mean, and I don't blame him I don't for trying. Think, like, it, it, it makes sense. He no, I don't either. And I'm sure it was all legal and prescription and what you know. Uh, what I, I'm sure is all prescription and legal and all that. I'm not saying that, but he was visibly on something. I mean, it, it, if you've watched him throughout this, then I mean, even as vice president, you could tell that. And so. uh I just thought the content of a speech, I, I really thought it was piss poor. I, I, I didn't think he focused on anything. You know, and he, he touted some accomplishments about jobs numbers and the unemployment rate and all this other stuff. And I, I am not saying that those numbers are not correct. He's also not letting on to the fact or alluding to the fact that when he took office, we were in the middle of a pandemic where everyone had lost their job. Businesses were closed. All this other, like, that that's a big part of it. Maybe you did make 12 million jobs in two years. You're also not telling the full truth. No, and, and I, I tend to focus more on the fact checkers afterwards. I, I enjoy that part more than I do the speech. And and relative to that, there there have been 12 million new jobs. However, when when the the Bureau of Labor Statistics comes out, it, it talks about because of the number of jobs lost and and come back to there's there's an actuality of two point seven million jobs created, which is fine. I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's and great. That's not that's a great number, but it's not a bad number. But also, no, he he's just and he's rattling off some statistics that aren't even right. But the I mean that was kind of 
the only thing he talked about, and he talked about how the economy is coming back and inflation is down, but in in all this, like I said, in the last 30 days, maybe. Yeah, but it's still at the highest level in 40 years and all this. Like, again, exactly. you, you can say that, but eggs are $6 a dozen. And, like, literally, I saw yesterday that food staples are 32% higher than they've been in the last 20 years, I think. I mean, all of the gas is still high. It's not nearly as high as it was, but it's still high. And then he's going to talk about, oh, the other the other thing. I can't believe I forgot this, that we're going to need oil for at least a decade more. Really? <laughs> really? What, what does he assume is going to power the electric? Cars. What 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 are we going to use to for the generators to produce electricity? What what where is he? Where where are we going to come up with this? And we're we're going to need oil for at least another decade. I was just like, did he really just say that out loud? I mean, you can have as many electro. So he throws him a bone. We're we're gonna oh. throw him a bone. Give the oil and gas ten more years. What a, what a deal! And again, Amazing. you can have as many cobalt recharging batteries and all this other stuff and. I know that you love your boy, Tucker Carlson, who I think has gone as crazy right as AOC is liberal left. Careful. I'm just telling you. Careful. But the other night, uh, they just shut down, I think it was in Minnesota, a cobalt plant here, whatever. And so Tucker did have a story two nights ago about the the world's largest cobalt mining plant, and I think it was in... South Africa or whatever, and they showed these conditions and these children and all this stuff that you would not even think is physically possible in the year 2023. I mean, it it was slave labor, but they don't talk about that, that it is cobalt and those people doing that that makes those batteries for the electric cars. That's not out there. So how green is that? It's nothing short. It's nothing short of slave labor. And who who owns all those factories or 90 some percent of them? It's all China, right? It's all yeah. China and it's all in the in in the Congo uh, for the most part. I mean, it's 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 amazing how much foresight, I, I guess, is a way to put it, that the, the Chinese communist government has has seen and how they've acquired these key positions, particularly in the continent of Africa and made a lot of those countries in Africa dependent upon them because they're giving them just enough food to get by or supplying that this mind that to, to, to give a minimal wage. And when I say minimal, terribly small wage under the worst working conditions you can possibly imagine. And yet we're, we're pushing for more and more of this and encouraging that. Why, why isn't that side other than Tucker? Why isn't that side being told? I don't know. And, and again, I think Tucker is way, way out there. But I did think that was, I, I knew that the conditions were bad and I had heard this before. But again, I'm also, I, I, I study stuff like this more than the average American, whatever. But I did not until I saw that piece on Tucker Carlson and saw that video. I, I being honest with you, did not think conditions like that existed in any country in 2023. I just, I just. No, on, on the way, on the way to Arizona, I, I think I discussed yeah. it with you. I listened to an entire podcast over just that, and it was horrendous. 
absolutely horrendous. So I, I'm, I'm with you. What, what gets me here? And I'm going to go to to things that, that maybe are just always thrown out there, but I want to look at the bigger picture here. Every time we, we hear a talking point or the Democrats come out in, in a situation like this, or their speech writers, whoever you want to pin it on, how, how is it possible they can keep coming back that the Republicans want to take away Medicare and social security? Are there one or two that have maybe proposed that possibly, but that that's the lies that continue to be portrayed as the truth coming out of the White House, I, I don't know how they can't get called on it more often other than simple fact. Fox I probably still don't know how on it and your garage news. Stuff that- but the mainstream just glazes over it, so they continue to do it. And consequently, the person out there and the, the average public, if they're only exposed to the main media, mainstream media, I guess Ryan, they don't they don't know any different. And they they truly believe some of these things, and it, it just it irritates me at at a level that I can't even explain. And I, I think that's we talk about unfortunately the uneducated public voting populace. I think it stems back to just the information they're exposed to. They're not digging any deeper, and they're assuming everything they're getting on the surface. Yeah, I don't know after all these years. I mean, the Democrats use the same lines every two and every four years. They're going to take away your Medicare, your Medicaid, your Social Security. You know, we're racist, all this other stuff. It's the the same stuff. And yet, and I'm not saying it works every time, but it works too much because it's the same talking points every single time. Uh, And so, again, I, I wish at some point that the average American citizen that does go out and cast their vote, I, I wish they would be more informed because there are, and there are people that are very informed to n- no information whatsoever at all that are going to do the same on both sides. They're either going to, they're going to hit all Democrat, all Republican, etc. And some of them are very well informed and some of them, I, I'm a Republican, period, and don't know the candidates or anything like that. And I, I just think that if people did study more and did not just take at surface what they hear on the nightly news, that things would change a little bit. But obviously, I, I have been disappointed as of late with the midterms on that but uh and then the only and i mean i could dissect this speech and go into this for like days and days and days but uh, two two other points on the speech before we go any further in this that i I do want to bring up um when he brought up the Social Security, that Republicans were going to take away Social Security, Medicare, all this other stuff. So I remember lots of times in Trump's State of the Unions that there were boos and things like that. I don't remember a back and forth where like people were yelling, screaming like over in the UK and then I know Trump. If 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 there was Trump, never acknowledged them and went there like Biden did, and so I I thought that was really petty. I guess uh, again, I, I'm sure 
I mean, I know there were obscenities slung at Trump during State of the Unions, lots of booze, all this other stuff. But he just went on and kept delivering his lines. He didn't get in a tit-for-tat with one side of the chamber. I, I thought that was extremely petty. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Joe can help himself. He's been like that from the beginning. Think about when he was was running for president out there at the the town halls and just the confrontations he had with the average person over just petty, stupid things. Yeah, and and it just he continues. He cannot help himself. And I think you're right. I think he's just like that. He's just that guy that can't ever back. Like can't ever be the bigger person and you know walk away from that type. A situation, etc. And then the other thing that I just thought, and I get, I guess it's pandering and whatever, all this other stuff. So he brought up guns and abortion, and he spent longer on that those two topics than he did any relevant topic. And I'm not saying that guns and abortion are not relevant. I'm saying in the grand scheme of things, I don't know if right now that is important as inflation, the border, our national security, okay? So anybody out there, I do think that abortion rights and gun control, whatever, those are important topics. I know they're important to a lot of people in this country. Probably not as important or doesn't need to be as important as those other three that I just talked about. But my thing is, why bring that up when you have a Republican-controlled Congress? Nothing is going to happen on those things right now in the next two years. It's just not. N- nothing that he wants, at least. No, and I, I think if if I were to summarize it, and, and you've stated it so well, the information I wanted to hear and the things I wanted them to talk about or, or Joe to address it makes sense he didn't because he, in my mind, he's failing and has made the wrong decision every single time. But the priorities on the world stage with the economy, the border security, all all of what I consider relevant, we kind of glassed over. And then he had to go to the more, I guess, non-relevant. And again, non-relevant is not the best term for it. Less global, less national in terms of here less we pertinent. are now. Yes. Yes, good good place to go. But I, I mean, when when you talk about interest rates where they're at, and somebody's trying to go out and buy a home or re uh, or or do anything with that, when you talk about MS thirteen bringing thousands of people across the border and doing whatever they want back and forth, bringing the fentanyl across, China sending the 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 drugs to, to Mexico to bring in. When you when you talk about the inflation, and you hit on it. We, we're paying more for groceries and there's less on the shelves right now than there's ever been. I think he can talk about how great the economy is and all these things, but let's hope that that average person out there now feels when they go to the grocery store and I, I visit with, with the cashiers at the grocery store. I say, are people complaining about the price of eggs or are they complaining that this and that product isn't available? And it's an absolute, every time I talk to them that they're, they're hearing this almost like it's their fault. And they say, hey, it's, it's not me. We, we aren't setting these prices or the supply chain or, or what, what's going on. It's not me. But there are so many things going on that, are, that needed to be addressed that just like each and every day from the, the press secretary, your little girlfriend, in the news conferences, she continues to avoid. 
Same thing in the State of the Union. We're not addressing any of the big picture. And I think that the philosophy is if we don't address it, and, and that was probably, there was probably more of the average public watching or will get highlights from the State of the Union than they ever do that they're not watching a press conference. They're not getting anything other than some mainstream media. So if, if Joe avoids to talk about those things in the State of the Union, it continues to to go under the radar for, for a lot of people other than what they're personally experiencing. Once somebody in the, their, one of their neighbors or children or relatives dies from fentanyl poisoning, all of a sudden it hits, hits home. When they go to the grocery store, and, and this is going to sound crazy, we, we will go grocery shopping and usually buy enough groceries for two weeks. And we don't buy the same thing every time. But within reason, it's usually around a $600 bill. The last few trips or last six months that we've been going to the grocery store, it's closer to $1,000 for groceries in that two weeks, which sounds crazy to me. I, I can't even imagine uh, that. We're just talking about a, a family of four and, and some of the employees that we have that that will have to have lunch or dinner or whatever it may be. But when it hits home for people, that's when they realize it. But I'm afraid until it hits them personally, I think they're just unaware. And I think it's all in that master plan. If we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. Are you ready to talk about Sarah? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Again, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is the governor of Arkansas. She is the youngest governor in America. I don't, she's 40. She she made that very clear on her rebuttal. But uh, she's also the first woman to be the governor of Arkansas. She was Trump's um, first press secretary and made it about two years before she stepped down and uh, thought she just did an absolutely masterful job at press secretary. And I, I know Dale likes probably the blonde Kaylee McEnany a little more, and I thought she was great too, but I think that has more to do with the physical look of Kaylee no, McEnany. I, think they're, I, thought I thought they were both incredible. And, and I'll tell you what, in the rebuttal that, that, that Sarah gave last night, she, she summarized things better than you or I or anybody could. I mean, it was, in my opinion, it was, it was brilliant and, and so no, down to earth, so, so resonating with me. And I hope it resonated. I, I fear that the average person out there didn't even see it. No, nobody watches the rebuttal unless you're diehard, whatever. Uh, but I, I, the one thing that I think is a little positive from bouncing around on news this morning, uh, even CNN and MSNBC are saying that she did a very good job. That's, that's I, impressive. I, I didn't get that. I thought she was outstanding. I thought it was very, very eloquent yet concise and broke it down into a level that was just plain and obvious and all these things. And again, I, I do not want y'all to think that I am hating on her at all. I am not. I've been a big fan, still a fan. I really did not think it was a rebuttal to the State of the Union because she did not really refute any specifics in Joe's speech. And when you get, when they announce who the Republican is, she does get a copy of that speech beforehand. So that was the one thing that was a little lacking to me. While she did rebuke his presidency, his administration, all that, it was more to me of probably the best campaign speech that anybody could ever have had for their first one on a national level 
than it was a true rebuttal of the State of the Union. I would agree with that on, on a factual level on the specifics that, that Joe was throwing out there and, and almost like she needed to insert some things where the inaccuracies and, and she could have came across on so many things like, like we've talked about where we're not addressing the big picture, but I'll tell you what, as a rebuttal to his presidency, it was brilliant. It was, it was so, was so flawless. well done. I mean, it was, and then, I mean, at the beginning when she talked about being a mother, and so she doesn't believe every story that she ever hears, just like she didn't believe much that came out of Joe Biden, the storyteller that night. That was good. And then, you know, uh, I mean, it, it, it set the tone, and then she talk, talked about, I think, the the greatest point that she made in the whole thing was that this is no longer a country divided between Democrats and Republicans or political parties or anything like that. This is now a country that is divided between the normal values that America was founded on, hold dear and true, and the crazy woke mob. And she said it far more eloquent than that, and I don't remember the exact words, but it's she's right. And I don't know if there are enough moderates in the Democratic Party to realize that, because I do think there are far more moderates in the Republican Party than there are the Democrats to realize that this is no longer Democrat versus Republican. This is a war between the woke mob and the America that we all know and love. And until we get that and understand that, or the majority of the voting public understands that, we're in real trouble. We are. What about her statement? And in, in, in this was in there, I think, with her, when she's talking about just the radical left's agenda and the high gas prices, the empty grocery store sales. And then she went into, our children are taught to hate one another on account of their race. There is more truth to that, yep. Ryan, than, and we, we, that is the most divisive situation I've ever seen. And, and it's amazing. I think it's, it's going to have results that we have to live with for, for decades. And I think we're driving such a wedge between races on every level because of the extreme woke crap that's going on. I, I'm going to reflect back during Trump's presidency and even before that was there racism in this country. Absolutely. Is there always going to be some level of racism? There's always going to be those individuals, but I, and, and I'm, I'm probably living in a bubble. Maybe I'm wrong, but if, if I reflect back just a few years ago, be, before all of this was out of control, I would say that there was less racism than there ever has been. And there's no excuse for any, but I promise you, you're, you're, there are going to be a few bad apples and individuals that no matter what you do, they're not going to change. So my goal is let's let's do our best to keep it down to a low number. And I guarantee you that the tension between races and in white children supposedly having to feel guilty because of being white in a classroom, it, it, it blows my mind. I can't even I, I can't imagine that they would sacrifice the problems that are gonna arise from this for their political gain. But I guess I'm wrong. Well, I think that you're very correct on that, Dale. And I, it can all be summed up real easy. 
we elected an African-American president. And he served not four years, but eight years. And so if there was inherent racism in this country still, that would have never happened. Because you can go back and look at the voting percentages and the totals from the exit polls and all this other stuff. White supported Barack Obama in both elections by a majority. So, and again, we've had a black president. If he really thought that racism was one of the greatest problems in our country, why didn't he do more to fix it then? Because he didn't think it was a problem. And how could you when we elected our first African-American president? Then Trump comes in, he announces he's running, and so all they can do is stir up that he's a homophobe, a xenophobe, racist, all the things that they did to try to get him unelected that didn't to not win. So they continued that during his entire presidency. So yeah, we went from a time where race relations, and while there was still racism in this country, there will always be. Not just in our country. Let me put this out there. It's not just in our country. Racism is throughout the world at some level. And much more extreme, much more extreme in other countries. Than it is here. We seem to gloss over. Yes, absolutely. But for some reason, the world continues to want to shine the spotlight on the U.S. for racism. And that that bothers me. But uh, in someone that has traveled to as many countries as anybody else I know, pretty much, I'm telling you, racism is way worse in most every other country that I've been to than it is here. But anyway, but it's never going to go away completely. That's a great ideal and something to aspire and work to, but it's never going to go away. But now racism... And what they're doing right now, they're they're, they're just making it exponentially worse. worse. Yes, absolutely. The division Uh, is like I've never seen it before. It... I have my well, children coming home from school telling me this and that, and we're in a rural country school, and it's still ingrained the woke philosophy in, in some of the teachers that we have there. And, and when the kids hear it every day, it concerns me. You can imagine, Ryan, you know Chase and Katie well enough that they're pretty strong in their opinions. But I tell you what, when they're bombarded every single day, it starts to wear on them. Right. And uh, I. Again, this is beyond the circus, and we're going to talk. We're trying not to duplicate too many current events because we're going to have a current event session on Beyond the Rain, too. And so there's going to be some stuff that I bring up about that in... uh, Sorry, the phone was ringing, and I didn't have it on vibrate. Uh, Bring up about that, this racism problem and what's going on and stuff like that. And that, but I, I just, I, I think that point that she brought up, it's Sarah Sanders uh, in the deal that this is really a war between what America was founded on and the woke culture. I, I don't think you could hit it any more dead on than what she did. Uh, and I thought she was the perfect balance of. She said exactly what she thought. She was hard enough and stern enough that no one could say that she did not 
you know, have a backbone and say some very derogatory things about Joe Biden and his administration, the woke mob, all this other stuff. But then I also thought that she had a really good balance of showing a softer side, uh, a maternal side. I just thought she did an outstanding job all the way around. And I I wish that more people and anybody that hears this podcast, it wasn't very long. It, it really wasn't very long. Anybody that hears this podcast that did not listen to Sarah Huckabee Sandals' rebuttal, I wish you would, because more people need to hear that. I could not agree more with, with that, Ryan. And, and I, I mean, I encourage you, if you have any political interest or, or want to keep up with what's going on, just her don't it's painful to listen to to Joe in the state of the union but go listen to governor huckabee's rebuttal it's it's good i mean she's summarized it's 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 just just one of those must do things in my opinion just to keep yourself current with what's going on in the world so that that is good we have we're getting along Ryan. we have lots of things to cover yet there's one thing i want to bring out and and i i'm going to Ryan, i mentioned we're going to cover this i think more in current events but there's two things. There's one thing I want to bring out now, and then I want to jump into some of the presidential candidates uh, that we suspect will be running in 2024. Before we do that, I want to make one thing clear, and and I haven't gone into this deep. How, Ryan? How long do you say that that Trump spent on the balloon or China or or our national security? You said like 70 seconds or something like that. You mean Biden? But I'm sorry, Biden. Yes. <laughs> 69 seconds on China. Never mentioned the balloon. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to meet. I want to make something very clear. And Ryan, you're going to think I've, I've gone off the edge and you have about this for, for a very long time. There is no question in my mind that we are at war with China. And we have been for, for quite some time. Call it a Cold War. Call, call it whatever you want. Not, not a conventional war. And they're much smarter about it from everything they've done to, to buying ground to taking over the manufacturing of essential goods to positioning themselves around the world on key micro minerals and key deposits of, of a lot of different, I guess, uh, material that, that is going to continue to be more and more valuable. They've strategically placed themselves in positions that they are moving towards being the world power. And when we've sat back until Trump came into office and done nothing, he made an effort, but it's all been reversed at this point. And if the balloon going over and the things that are, that are happening right now ramps up the awareness of what China has been doing, I, I'm all for that. So maybe, maybe it's a positive that the spy balloon came through because I think people are much more aware. It's getting more attention because something has to be done. Um, it, it, it there's no question in in when we i believe it had been in the early 2000s let china into the world trade organization we all assumed well that's going to bring them more towards the western world and it's going to make global matters less of an issue the problem is i think the chinese populace went that direction or would if given the opportunity but the chinese communist party had no intention they were going to do nothing but use the ability to manufacture basically with slave labor to build capital and to, to continue on their path to take over the world. And this, this may sound crazy, may sound like a conspiracy 
type theory, but I, I believe this and, and call me what you want. But if that when they brought China into the World Trade Organization, it did not change the philosophy. It did not westernize them. The fact that they went from $90 billion in 1980 in terms of their total GDP, they're at $12 trillion today. And that's because primarily we've, we've allowed that. We've encouraged all of those things, and now it's kind of biting us in the ass. So I, I, I don't know, but we've, we've equipped them the past 20 to 30 years with almost everything they need to match us, technology, Hundreds of billions of Western dollars have, have been spent developing China's state-owned businesses. Our dollars have created that. Our support, our purchasing of their products, all of those things. And we'll talk about this more specifically, the balloon. But enough on my rant on, on China, Ryan. I am so curious to know who do you believe will be the front runners or who's going to declare. We touched on it briefly, and maybe nobody will at this point. That doesn't appear as anybody's jumping up for the 2024 presidential primary candidates. Well, as I said at the beginning of this, we're less than a year away. And I realized that that's still quite a bit of time, but in previous presidential election cycles, more people had at least come forward, announced, whatever, all this other stuff. Now, I do think that a large majority of it has to do with the fact that I think there will be somebody run against Biden regardless if he announces that he is going to run for re-election. I think on the Democrat side, they are all waiting for that. And I think that there are a ton of people that like Pete Buttplug, who is the worst transportation (laughs) secretary in the history of the world. Like if Biden decides that he's going to go for re-election, I, I don't think that he can probably announce. I, or if he is going to run, he would have to resign being transportation secretary because I don't think that you can serve as secretary on, in the cabinet of somebody that you're going to run against in presidential Democratic primary. That just doesn't <laughs> te- make te- sense legally to me. you probably can, but it doesn't make sense. Legally, you so can, I'm, I'm but it, go- I, well, hold on. I think on the Democrat side, they're all waiting for him. And then after that, I still do think that there will be some people that run against him. So with that, is it not in Joe's favor to continue doing what he's doing then under this scenario that he's, he says, yes, I intend to run, but we're not officially running. The longer he draws that out, the better chances that, that he would be the candidate in, in a, in a situation that it, it's not giving the others time to get traction. Oh yeah. I think that's exactly why. I mean, I think the intention is still there to run. The only thing that makes me a little leery is, like I said, when they came back from that lunch yesterday, Shannon Beam didn't know if he had decided and had previously stated consistently that she thought he was running. I mean, he's changed up the whole Democratic primary calendar to put South Carolina and states that he won at the front to make it easier for him to get keep momentum, have momentum at the beginning because the first five states he lost miserably. So I'm telling you, I think he's going to run. And just like you said, I do think that the longer he waits, the better off it is because to take down a sitting president in a primary, I I don't think it's ever been done. Maybe it has, but it will take a substantial amount 
of campaigning money, all these other things. And the longer he waits, no one is going to announce before on the Democrat side before Joe Biden makes his announcement. I mean, it would it would be not only unprecedented, but it would be very rude to be just honest. I, think the I mean, long, it, it, it the would, longer we're in in limbo, the more likely somebody will. But I, I am with you. I, I I agree that it's very unlikely. But at this point. If there's somebody that intends to to step up there, they're going to have to do it pretty soon, or it's too late. Yeah. As rude and disrespectful as it be, they're going to have to. On the Republican side, I'm very confused. We go from Trump announcing as soon as the midterms are over that he and he's filed the paperwork. He he's the only candidate. I mean, they brought this up yesterday. He's the only candidate that has declared on either side. And we have all these people that are saying, this person's going to run, this person's going to run, this person's going to run. But there's no, Trump's already put it out there that he's running. So there's no reason that these other people should not announce. None. There is. They they don't want to be the first one to get torn apart by Trump. They'd rather, that in an ideal situation, if I'm DeSantis, if I'm Nikki Haley, whoever it may be, I would much rather others jumped out there, let Trump jump on them, and then just kind of come in so that so they're not the sole focus. I think Trump. I think they're scared of announcing because of what Trump might do to them. And I get, I'm not saying you're wrong, but also he's if he runs his campaign like he did in 2016, he's gonna rip them all to shreds. I mean, eventually, and again. Primary elections, it is these diehards that go vote in primaries. He's got those people. So whoever is running against him needs as much time as humanly possible to try to peel some of those away. Again, Nikki Haley, I heard some things that she was going to announce. That announcement didn't come. I'm not saying it's not to come. But... Everybody's talking about DeSantis. The one thing I'm going to say about DeSantis, DeSantis has never given any inclination at all that he was running. Not one. And again, he may announce tomorrow, but no inclination at all. The one that I think that has given the most inclination that's going to run is Chris Sununik. He's been on every MSM network, talking about how he thinks it's time for a different future, yada, yada, yada. He hasn't, he, he has said that if Trump is the nominee, he will support him because he's a diehard Republican, but he doesn't think Trump needs to be the nominee. All these other things. Uh, every time, go back to Sununu real quick, New Hampshire governor. Every time I've seen him interviewed, every one of those people interviewing has, has pushed that question. And, and like you said, he will, he will always come out and, and say he will support whoever the Republican candidate is whoever wins that primary, even if it's Trump and he's come out very negative against Trump on a few things, but he, you're right. There's, there seems to be, and, and, and I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's, it's Chris that's coming out and pushing that he, he may intend to run for president, but, but it appears to be the media that that's, that's pushing on a little bit. Pence has not said anything, but said that, when asked if he was going to run, says that he's still explore or talking about it, whatever. But uh, he has said 
that he doesn't think he he has not said that he doesn't think Trump will be the nominee, but he said he says that he thinks that there will be better candidates than Trump in the primary. I, I'm assuming that means he thinks he's a better candidate. I would call the greatest amount of bullshit on that in the history of the world. Yeah, it, I didn't like Mike Pence before he was on Trump. <laughs> Whatever y'all want to, I mean, again. Y'all know I am absolutely the worst gay in the history of the world. That man is a homophobe. That's all there is to it. You can look at his legislation, all this other stuff, whatever. I didn't like him before. I thought he did a fine job being the backup guy to Trump. He has no chops in a presidential election. I, I thought he was a good choice. Good choice to, to balance Trump out in the, in the, the election. And, no, I and I thought he did fine as a vice president. I agree. I don't, I don't think he has a chance by any means, but his demeanor is very, remember personality goes further than, than sometimes policy and, and some of the things they believe in. And he has a very likable personality. So he's, he's there. Tell me about your governor, Greg Abbott. Is, is there any chance there? I do not believe so. I think Greg Abbott will run after this is his last term as Texas governor. And I think that there's a very real possibility that he might run after that. But I don't think he will run right now. In a head-to-head matchup, Abbott over Trump, I think Trump wins Texas. I'm just being as honest as I can be. Any chance that Ted Cruz, your your other Texan, throws his hat in? Nope, because he's already run against Trump, and it was bad and brutal. And I don't. Th- and he's a big Trump supporter, so no, I don't think so. Yeah. Nikki Haley... We talked about her. I, I think under the situation of Trump doesn't run, he he would it wouldn't surprise me he would throw himself in. Not saying that obviously Trump appears to be running, but if he wouldn't, I think that opens a door for several of his supporters to jump in much much more readily. Trump's running. He's already had a campaign rally. And I, <laughs> the only way Trump is not running is if something legally stops him from running. Period. And I I don't see that happening. Uh, Again, this, they've talked about Glenn Youngkin. Again, he has made it very clear that he's going to serve the people of Virginia. Now, they all say that, just like DeSantis says he's going to serve the people of Florida or whatever. They all say that, and then a lot of times they change their mind. But my thing is, is like there's not even anybody really being coy with the situation when asked other than I think Chris Sununu has basically said he's going to run. I mean, I know he hasn't officially announced, but like uh, DeSantis isn't being coy when asked about that question. Youngkin isn't. Uh, Greg Abbott has not made any whatever. So again, I, I don't know what the deal is. I, do, I don't understand. If Trump is such a failed candidate, so terrible, can't be elected, all these other things that they want everybody to believe. Well, where's all the people that think they can beat him? I'm I'm not arguing that. I think there's a lot of people, a lot of potential candidates out there that believe, and again, I'm just stating that believe they can beat him in a general election. But I, I'm with you. It's going to be very, very difficult to beat him in the primary. And I'm not being anti-Trump or or anything. I love his policies more than anything I've any president in the history of my lifetime. But I I tend to agree with some of those those others. That that he's harder to beat, much harder to beat in the primary. But the whole thing is, like, you can think all you want that you're more electable in the general, and I'm not disagreeing with that, especially about DeSantis. It's not even that they're more electable. It's that Trump is less electable. And especially with DeSantis. I would say that DeSantis is 
easily more electable in the general. But again, you don't get to the general until you win the primary. That's how this works. <laughs> so I I understand completely. What about, and, and I know we're running out of time, uh, any chance on a Tim Scott? And I think a lot of these, it has to be Trump stepping out before they would come in. So I think it's a mute issue until if he stays in, it's there's going to be one, maybe two is my prediction. Serious candidates that people might recognize at least their name that would run against him. If he were to step out tomorrow, I think you'd have a flood of people come in. I think you'd have more than when he ran in 2016. But, I mean, you'd have both Florida senators, DeSantis, Nikki Haley, the South Dakota governors, the new-new, probably, I mean, you would literally, the floodgates would be open. Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, I think the majority of those people that ran last time that are now allies of Trump, uh, all those people and then a whole lot more that one, I think it would be bigger than whatever. I, my deal is, and again, we all know how much <clears throat> that I support Trump. And I will state for the record, in the primary, I will support Trump over anybody else. I, I just will. Uh, and I don't think I've ever made any doubt about that. I find it very interesting that we are less than a year away from the f- first set of primaries. And all these people that say Trump's not electable. But yet, now we see polling, three different polls in the last week, that in a head-to-head matchup of Biden and him, he wins. And yet, none of these people at this time have come forward and announced or filed their candidacy for the Republican nomination. And so, I don't know. Uh, and one other thing, and I know we're going long and we have to record a whole nother whatever, but... The one thing that I thought was very telling on this yesterday, Mitch McConnell was getting interviewed about before the State of the Union and stuff like that, and something came up, and they they were talking about Biden and him using this State of the Union speech to kind of launch his candidacy and all this other stuff, and McConnell was talking about all the ways that administration failed, and he said, and uh, he's, they said something about the polling between the Biden-Trump matchup, if that is whatever. And he said, McConnell interrupted uh, Martha McCollum on Fox and said, first off, former President Donald Trump is running. He has filed his paperwork. He has announced. And he said, I think it would be wrong to bet against him not being the Republican nominee. Now, Donald Trump has obliterated and, like, ripped Mitch to shreds since he left office. And when that man said that on Fox yesterday, I went, there's a whole lot that's being said right there, in my opinion. No, I, I agree with that completely. Absolutely completely. There is one, and, and I know she can't do it now, but Sarah Huckabee Sanders, in the future, after she serves a term as governor or two, don't you think she would be wonderful? I think I think after last night, she's definitely angling that way. Her father ran. I mean, he never got the Republican nomination, but he also never got dusted in his attempts. Uh, I don't think that you can be three weeks into being the governor of Arkansas and run for president. 
Do you see what I'm saying? No, I agree. I'm talking long term. That that her, I think last night's speech put her in the forefront. No, I think she, angling for position, she's did exactly what she needed to do. And I hope for Trump's sake, but again, this kind of goes to the same thing. If Trump wants to be more electable in the general, even if he wins, he needs to announce a female vice president ASAP. And again, I don't think it can be Sarah Huckabee Sanders because how do you announce that you're going to be a vice presidential ticket three weeks into serving as governor of Arkansas? That doesn't do much for you in any way. Tulsi Gabbard, uh, Nikki Haley, whoever, else, whatever. But Christy I think Nome, the soon Christy Nome. N- yes. A- a- any viable female candidate. I-, I think the sooner that he announced, this is my VP pick. And I think that would just only add to the fact that he's confident that he's going to get the nomination, that even though he has the primary process, he knows that there's going to be people run against him. He's already looking forward towards the general. And I think that would be a smart move. Uh, I also said several times on these things that he needed to ditch Pence in the 2020 deal and get a female, and he didn't do it. So evidently he doesn't listen to the podcast. So, But I think that's he, he has to have a female vice president if he's going to be in any way electable in the general. And while I think Sarah Huckabee Sanders would be amazing, Again, I think it would really hurt her and her political future and ambitions if in any way, not even a year into serving as the first female governor of Arkansas and the youngest governor in America, say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go into presidential politics now. Probably a real bad move on her part. I think she's insanely and exceptionally smart and knows that. Agreed completely. And I think that's, that's simple. It's right there. No, no question. And, and again, we're a little longer, but I want to touch base on one hypothetical and I'm going to jump back to the other party, the Democrat party candidates. If Joe Biden does not run, I've got several, several candidates that I think would probably jump in. Who do you think the lead Democrat would be? Uh, I think the one that's not showing up in the polling probably because they're not putting her in there is Hillary. And I don't think they're putting her in that polling data for a reason, because whether it's bad or good, they probably don't want it out there. (laughs) If it's bad, they damn sure don't want it out there. If it's good, they think that would embolden in Biden to stay and run even harder. The one that shows up in the polling data that actually polls above, well, there was actually three that polled above Joe Biden. The winner was Pete Buttplug, God help us all. And then Elizabeth Warren and Bernie all polled above Biden. But how many more times can Bernie run? I mean, really? I don't know, but he's he's got he's far more cognitively aware of, of the world than what Joe is. I don't agree with his his views, but at least I think he's still coherent. At the and they believe he's a year older than Joe. He, he he's he's given two diehard attempts and got beat by two very different candidates. I just don't think there's enough people that want socialism to get him across the hump. I'm just being honest. No, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean he won't try again. 
He, I'm not that, saying that is right. where I'm at. I don't think I don't think he ever gets elected, but he may continue to try. So my my prediction, because of the way it's playing out, and we talked about how unique and how odd it was on both sides, that we don't have several candidates coming out. And obviously, when it's the Democrat side, you expect the president to run again for a second term. But under this situation, and I believe that Joe wants to be the president. I believe he wants to run again. I believe he thinks he can win again. All of those things. But if if my prediction comes true, if he continues to push it off, push it off, all of a sudden, orchestrated by Hillary or others, the documents, the Hunter Biden laptop, everything piles up and becomes more visible to the average person. Guess who swoops in at the last minute and and because of name recognition, because of everything, becomes the logical candidate to run is Hillary. Oh, it's definitely Hillary. No, and I've said that before too. And and the one thing about it, there, there's this put you know with the election of Hakeem Jeffries as the minority leader and the Speaker of the House and all these other things, there is a push on both sides of the aisle for a younger, more youthful generation of political leaders to be at the helm. There's no doubt. So if Hillary is going to give it one more go, this is her do or die. She would be younger than Trump and Biden, etc. This would be the last stand. The reason that I think it's even more opened up for her this time is, yes, she failed as she got beat by Trump when she was the Democratic nominee. She also had, before Joe won the Democratic nominee, he ran three times and lost. You have a situation now that the Republican nominee is looking like it's going to be a president that held office and then got voted out of office. So it is truly an unprecedented dynamic in so many ways that I don't think anybody would blink about her running again, even though she got beat once before, even if Joe does run. Because obviously when 62% of your own party does not, is going to be angry or disappointed if you run, that that's a telltale sign. And I, I, I have no doubt someone is going to run against Joe. I think you were probably right that it very well could be Hillary. I've said that from the beginning. I And I have said, and I will state again, I think all of this document stuff, all of this whatever, I think it has all been a hit job because they... In, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm really not. I know y'all people are going to think that after I keep saying this. They've had Hunter's laptop for how many years? All this other stuff and all this stuff seems to be hitting at the perfect time to either weaken him to the point that he's already weak, that he can't get the nomination, or to keep him from running. Agreed 100%. Ryan, this was good. We we needed to get this beyond the circus in. And I, I think we we now that we accomplished that, I, I do have as we conclude this episode, please, those of you listening to this obviously have more interest in politics and world issues and things like that than most. 
encourage your friends to do the same, not necessarily to listen to Beyond the Circus, but to become more politically aware. There's never been a time in my lifetime that it's more important to understand where we're at and try to, we, we can't surrender to the woke community. We can't surrender to China. We have to fight back. And, and the only way to do that is educate those that are like-minded, those that, that we are around to step up and do the same. Absolutely. Until the next Beyond the Circus, be safe. Y'all come back now, you hear?